Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness. What? Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Elmo's horny. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius. More well endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. Oh, yeah. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Yes, we're back live, bitches. Today is Sunday, January 21st. It is 3 o'clock Eastern Time, noon Pacific. And if you're listening at that time on that date, we are live. We'll be taking your phone calls at 844-TALK-DNR. You can listen to old episodes on iTunes. I, I always have a problem saying that. iTunes. Tweet about us using hashtag ass. Email me at adam at adamsank.com and like the Facebook page. Okay. Today is the biggest ass we've ever had. It is going to be monumental. I'm I'm actually shitting in my pants. I'm wearing a diaper because I'm so excited about this. First, let me tell you that the regular crew is here. We have executive producer Katie, associate producer JB. Uh, we have someone returning to the Derek and Romaine family after many years away, and that, of course, is Donnie, better known to listeners as Rebecca of Donnie Brook Farms. He's in the studio today. Uh, but most exciting of all, is that my celebrity co-host is here. Ladies and gentlemen, you loved him on Queer as Folk. You loved him on Broadway and The Elephant Man. I don't know what that music was. Please <laughs> give it up for Mr. Scott Lowell. Come on. I'm so rock and roll. They had they had to bring in the rock and roll for me. Scott, you had no yes. applause, Scott. That I know. The Why is audience that? audience was very tech. I got, oh, wait. Oh, there we go. Thanks, JB. Thanks for hitting that sign. Scott, JB is so nervous today because- I know. JB, you, it's okay, man. You are uh, one of his idols, and if you, I don't know if you remember, the, the first time we interviewed you, yes, you were still living in L.A. Yes. J.B. had a question, didn't he? Didn't he, he have a question Well, he uh, he had a question, but he also wanted to let you know that you taught him all about gay sex That's when he right. was a child. That's right. Yes. I remember yes, now. Yes, this is true. Yeah. What, what did he teach you, J.B.? Uh, he taught me blowjobs on life, and giving head is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Wow. Scott, doesn't that make you feel proud? <laughs> it does. Well, you know, you want to leave your mark on the world <laughs> as an artist. And um, JB left his mark all over the television he, set. Or over right. somebody's face. I don't know. But, That's right. Um, yeah, no, I'm very, very proud of that. Thank you, JB. So Scott is here, and then later <laughs> in the hour, we're going to have this drag queen. I don't know if any of you guys listening have mm. ever heard of her. Her name is Bianca Del Rio. Come on. Oh. That's insane. How did you... How? How? How did you do that? You're just a poor little kid, poor Jew I'm from nothing. Summit, New Jersey. Like, how did you rise to such heights as to land someone like Bianca Del Rio on your show? I have to tell you, Bianca is, uh, in addition to being just the most fabulous drag queen in the world, uh, incredibly kind and generous person. And I know her from back in the day. I know Roy um, when, uh, you know, we were both sort of starting out, although 
she was already way ahead of where I would ever uh, be at that point. And, you know, occasionally she'd come to my comedy shows with her friends and uh, I would see her performing and we would, you know, rub shoulders. And she got real famous uh-huh. and, um, you know, certainly could have just never spoken to me again. But she's <laughs> incredibly sweet. That's wonderful. Came on this show on our pilot episode as a surprise guest but this will be the first time we're doing a full half hour um, interview with her wonderful and her 1.2 million Instagram fans uh, have been notified (laughs) I believe some of them may be listening oh Uh, if any of Bianca Queens are listening please call us at 844-TALK-DNR that's uh, (laughs) 844-825-5367 I've never given the number before 844-825-5367. You can give us, uh, let us know what you want to ask Bianca. We're going to try to take phone calls during the Bianca segment, but it's a little tricky. I won't get into it. But Scott, um, yes, I want to talk to you because first Please. of all, uh, you've had a major change. I am, yes, I am transitioning. <laughs> into a New Yorker. Into a, back into a New Yorker, yes. Why the Arnie's switch? After yes, year, queen. After <laughs> you, all right, enough, JB. After you, we, by the way, we had a listener email me complaining about the sound effects again. So really, it's my fault because I ask for them, but JB takes the blame. So oh, poor JB. Anyway, go ahead, Scott. Why you... he is whipping through those gummies? By the way, I, I can tell he's really nervous. Very about nervous stuff. to have you here. I know, it's okay. So tell us why you came back from the. Uh, I came back for these because mostly um, I grew up in uh, Connecticut in the greater New Haven area of Connecticut, and you know it's reaching that stage of life where parents. Uh, start having issues and uh, my mother who lives alone with her cat um, oh. you know wants to stay in her home as long as she can and so uh, I have moved back here to be a little nearer to her and help out uh, where I can you are such a sweet boy I'm, I'm a good Jewish boy and you're this not is what even we do. Uh, are you Jewish I am Jewish I, I know forget that I know well Lowell is got that goyish the last goyish name. last name well that was changed my father uh, from what uh, family lore tells me uh, who grew up in Massachusetts, wanted to go to Harvard, and Harvard at the time had a quota on how many Jews they would allow in, believe it or not. Wow. And uh, so Now it's nothing but. I, now it's nothing but. <laughs> but so they changed Jews the name to, to the waspiest name they could find in Massachusetts, which was Lowell, and, and so that's where Lowell comes from. But yes, I was, I was raised in the Jewish faith, dropped out of temple when I was about eight because my mom had a fight with the rabbi over my brother's bar mitzvah. Wow. And, uh, and yeah. By the way, Scott has chosen to do this show completely naked for yeah. some reason. He's uh, well, it's it's like spring here. It's very uh, warm in New York City it's, today. It's rather warm. He has stripped off all his clothes, and I can yep. I can see his Lowell hangers, if you Yo, will. Come see on, what he did. that's why I get see paid he the did. big bucks. He's a wordsmith, really. It is a thrill to have you here. I'm so Thank glad you. you're back in New York. Just a reminder to the listeners that I've <clears> known <throat> Scott since I was 14. It's true. And you he, were you were a wee lad then. He approached me in a dark alley. No, that's not true. Oh, so now let me ask you something though. Please. Speaking speaking of that, because I knew you at fourteen, fourteen mm. till like sixteen, maybe or so. I think. Yeah, when you were uh, Scott was my uh, sister's boyfriend at the time. Yes, when we were in college, and so I missed the like you coming out stage of your life <laughs> like what when did that happen and how did that go we'll have and, to devote I mean, a I know show you, to it really yeah it's a long story I mean like knowing your parents I, I could see it going very easily no it they were horrible not, really and I hope they're listening they were terrible wow. and they should be ashamed I came out at um, around 2021 which at the time was considered fairly early. This yes. was back in 1991, 92. Absolutely. And they were terrible. They were Here they were these liberal East Coast Jews who had raised me with all the right values. But when it was their son, they were like, this 
is devastating. Wow. You have shattered our dreams. That was an actual Phyllis quote. Fie. You have shattered us. Wow. It took a few years. They're wonderful now. They couldn't be better, more accepting, and they've been great to my boyfriends on the rare occasions that I've had one. But uh, but yeah, I, that that I will say that surprises me. No, they were and terrible. My sisters, uh, particularly Anna, were yeah, fantastic. I'm sure. Um, but um, but and and again, everyone is is Cause, lovely because then they could just know. dress you up and not have to worry about it anymore. Well, I please, it was the other way around. I was the one who had to dress <laughs> them up. Have you seen these two? That's uh, true. No Plus, makeup or fashion yes. sense. They, they don't need it. They don't give a shit. That's it. But my I said, sisters are lesbians, except without the gay <laughs> sex. You know, pretty much. <laughs> Um, Scott, we have yes. a million things to get through, Please. and we have Bianca Let's coming. So I just uh, I, I want you to continue uh, to chime in whenever the spirit moves you. I will. Um, I want to actually start with some very sad news today, because someone who I knew and loved and very much admired uh, died yesterday, and that is comedian Bob Smith. Mm. Did you ever meet him, Scott? I never met him. Saw his work though, and very funny, sweet sweet man it seems he was the nicest person in the world Uh, bob was the first openly gay comedian to ever appear on the tonight show which was a really really big deal he did that um back in 94 when it was the tonight show with jay leno he also had had an hbo half hour special the first openly gay comic to do that didn't know that so he was a real pioneer but the way that a lot of gay people especially gay men knew him was that he also wrote books Mm -hmm. and one of his books openly bob was kind of a funny series of essays on sort of how to be gay. Hmm. And in the mid-90s, it was sort of the gay man's Bible. Like, everyone had a copy of Openly Bob. Hmm. And uh, he was just a great writer and a great person. He also wrote some um, beautiful novels, including one called Selfish and Perverse. And for the last 12 years, he had been uh, fighting ALS, Hmm. Lou Gehrig's disease, Mm -hmm. which everyone knows is just the cruelest. Yeah. Uh, it robs you of everything yeah. slowly and continuously. And by the end, you know, he could not speak or move. But he uh, was surrounded by a devoted um, group of his his partner, Michael Zam, mm-hmm. and some really wonderful friends who stayed with him and took care of him all those years and supported him. And um, unfortunately, yesterday, his fight ended and, mm-hmm. and he did die. But I, um, I just wanted... Uh, if you didn't know who Bob was, or even if you did, I wanted to play a little bit of Bob Smith's comedy because I imagine this is how he would want people to remember him. I have to, I have to tell you, I come from a very conservative family, and it wasn't easy telling my parents that I'm gay. In fact, I made my carefully worded announcement at Thanksgiving. I said, Mom, would you please pass the gravy to a homosexual? She passed it to my father. A terrible scene followed. Then my mother says to me, Bob, you're gay. Are you seeing a psychiatrist? I said, no, I'm seeing a lieutenant in the Navy. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. And it's, you know, for all the terrible things that social media can do at times, it has been lovely to see the outpouring. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, he really, he meant a lot both to people who knew him and Mm -hmm. people who didn't know him but followed his work. He was 59 years old. So rest in peace, Bob. You were always so incredibly sweet to me. I worked with him a number of times. Um, Actually, the first time I ever met him, I had this little weekly show at a gay bar called Therapy in New York, and he emailed me and said, Hi, my name is Bob Smith. I'm a comedian. Could I be on your show sometime? And I was like, 
are you the Bob Smith? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, you can be on my show. You can headline my show. But that's the kind of guy he was. Wonderful. Um, so in other news, we need to do our weekly Pervnado update. Mm. It's actually bi-weekly. We do it every time we have a live show. And um, this is never ending, Scott, as I you know, know. Since our last live show on January 7th, the following sexual misconduct scandals have erupted. James Franco was accused of inappropriate behavior and pressuring women, including an ex-girlfriend who claims he once pushed her head down onto his cock in a car, as well as turning simulated oral sex in a movie he was making into actual oral sex with several actresses. Fox News correspondent James Rosen has left the network after charges of sexual harassment, including advances toward three female colleagues. Dozens of former and current male models have accused photographers Bruce Weber and Mario Testino of sexual misconduct up to and including assault. Anna Wintour, editor of Vogue, announced immediately afterwards that she was terminating all relationships between them and Vogue magazine. That's all. Wow. And finally, comedian, actor, and TV show creator Aziz Ansari was accused by an anonymous woman of giving her, quote, the worst night of her life on a feminist website called Babe, she described a date with Aziz gone wrong, including his sticking his fingers in her mouth and vagina and uh, her performing oral sex on him despite her, quote, verbal and nonverbal cues to stop. And that's yeah. our weekly pervnado update. It just update. goes on and on, doesn't it? Scott, you're a straight guy. Yes. Since all this started, yes. have you <clears throat> given any thought to... Yes. Women in your past absolutely. who may have been displeased by your behavior at absolutely. a certain point. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what this is all about. I mean, there's there are a number of angles to this whole thing. Some of it has to do with power dynamics in the country, of course, and the the patriarchy and, and how sex can be used as an abusive form in power. But there's also just the interpersonal relationships as well that... You, if you are not thinking about these things now and you are not reflecting on these things now, I, you are not paying attention to what's going on. And I think, you know, in the case of Aziz Ansari, like the purpose of this story is not to destroy his career, I hope. I do not think this should be a career-destroying thing. I think it's been brought up because he's someone who purports himself to be a feminist, a supporter of Time's Up and all those kind of things. In reading that article, you know... There are a couple things going on. I mean, it's it's what takes place when the blood flows from the brain all the way down to the penis, and you just stop thinking. And I he, know that feeling. You know all that too feeling. Well. And he sounds like you know he's just a very horny guy who you know when the blood is down in his member cannot hear the words no or sense these uh, non. Well, cues except that are going let's on. be clear. Yes. In her telling of the story, there were twice. There were two times where she said stop. Yes. And he stopped. And he stopped. And, but that doesn't. But the blood is still down there, and you say you say stop to be sensitive, I think, and uh, or to appear sensitive and to relax the other person. But you have no intention of you. You want to complete this act. So he was he was overly aggressive, let's say, sexually. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like it. There, you know, as you know, there there was a backlash against this article by uh, certain women and certain mm -hmm. feminists, mm -hmm. Ashley Banfield, mm -hmm. and uh, there was a, a, a brutal op-ed in the New York Times titled "Aziz Ansari is guilty of not being a mind reader." Mm -hmm. And some people are saying, including some women, listen, women aren't babies. You know, they have agency over themselves. If you're on a yeah. bad date, walk out the goddamn door. He didn't stop her from leaving. 
In fact, he called her an Uber. On the other hand, uh, there is this thing of like, he's a rich, famous, powerful person. And I've been in sexual situations a lot of times where I wanted to stop and I just didn't say it. Absolutely. I mean, and there's, and again, like part of the examination I've been doing, and I, you know, there are a couple women in my past I want to talk to and, and check in with them and see. Be like, do you hate me? Yeah, well, yeah, th- maybe that, or more just more to the point of, like, did did I in any way, you know, abuse my situation over you? Because, like, you know, not to the level him of him, of course, but, you know, I was a nerdy guy who, you know, had some level of success, and you can't help but want to use that. If you have any doubt of your uh, abilities to attract somebody— to look upon your success or your I have a house or something like that as a level of maybe she'll like me because of this stuff. And Did you, you have and you play up that stuff. Yes. But I don't think I have to look back. I don't think I ever kind of went there. I think so, I was always I mean very, I can see how tempting that I think would I was be. always very careful with that. But it didn't preclude me from being with someone who wasn't necessarily a groupie of trying to impress them. Right. Uh, feeling like this is more impressive about me rather than just who I am as a person. But you seem like such a gentle person to me, and uh, it's it's hard to imagine you... I think I've been okay, but I do want to check in with a few. Yeah. Um, because I may not be clear on it. I may not be able to kind of step outside and see it. I also, I will say in reading you know that article and what went on during their date, I... I I do blame a little bit my my good dear old friend pornography a oh, little yeah. bit for uh you know it used to be such a gentle gentle friend who you had to like go through great embarrassment to find your way to but the the level of availability for pornography now and the kind of stuff that's out there and what it and I and I I've worried about this for a while and reading this article made me go oh god this is this well, is what it is like what people like assume is a romantic sexual uh, uh, encounter is just nasty, sticking your finger down someone's right. throat. And I, they think I doubt that, Aziz Ansari on his own thought of the idea of sticking his fingers in a girl's mouth. I'm sure that's something he absolutely. saw in a porno. Absolutely, absolutely. And that that's... If he did that, yeah. we should say. And that's... And again, like, and maybe I'm I'm an anomaly in a way that I, I you know, I'm maybe more chick than dude in this kind of way but like you know i've always always really only been interested in admitting too much i like i like to believe that they're in love and porn the porn and the porn i would watch i want i want to believe they really like each other and i've never liked see if i think they like each other i can't come really yeah that's how that's that's it we're gonna have to talk fucked up i am we're gonna have to talk about this i want to move on to um to this story because it's a to me this is a great radio story because it's all about sound so are you a tennis fan scott i am I am not. Oh. But I did come across this story from the Australian Open, which uh, just happened or is still happening. Um, The Australian player Ashley Barty was playing a woman from Belarus named Arina Sabalenka. And Sabalenka uh, apparently is one of these women, and men do it too in tennis, who makes a really loud noise every time she hits the ball. (laughs) You know the... Uh, like Martina. Uh, a lot of them do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the women do it, it can sound like lesbian porn. So Sabalenka had a really strange way of grunting. It was more like a squeal. It was very high-pitched. So uh, I want to play this clip for you, but I need to set it up because you're about to hear a lot of different things happening okay. at once. all right, all right. First, you're going to hear Sabalenka make her weird squeal a couple times. Okay. Then you're going to hear a, a commentator, an Australian TV commentator, start to talk. Then you're going to hear the line 
judge or whoever she is, the line official, uh-huh. telling the crowd to be quiet and stop doing what they're doing. Then you're going to hear the cr- people in the crowd start imitating Sabalenka oh, no. with her squealing. Oh. So take a listen to this. One of the things I think is going to be... (laughs) There's plenty of screaming during the rally. It's not coming from the fans. That's almost as though she's meant that for Sabalenka. I think that's rather ironic. (laughs) Please. Yeah, oh dear. I think the umpire needs to just stay out of, just stay out of it right now. Yeah, less said the better. <laughs> they were really throwing shade. Oh, that's oh, so. Oh. oh, it sounds like the cutest little mouse just had an orgasm. Yeah, exactly. All over the tennis court. Well, Barty, oh. the Australian player, ended up winning the match. Uh, she did say afterwards that she was surprised by uh, how loud the sounds coming from her opponent were. Um, and then there was a lot of shaming and tisk- tisking of the Australian crowd for being so rude and yes. making fun of someone on the on the court. Yeah, that's yeah. I I always enjoy that. The that's making one, fun. No, I enjoy the noises. <laughs> do you, the grunting. I like that. Do you like to pretend that they're in love? I can do. I like to believe she's really in love with <laughs> hitting oh! that. Oh, there. Oh, it there's is. Scott watching yeah. tennis. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you it, asked me if I was a fan, and and this is why. That's wow. Who's your favorite female tennis player? Just totally based on sexiness. Oh, well, I I mean I I, I went old school. Like in terms of the grunting, it was uh, what's her number? Blank on her name, Martina Hangis. You know, she used to. Mm-hmm. She was like the first one to really. She's a big grunter. Oh. <laughs> So good. We learned something new about Scott Lowell, Thank everyone. Thank you. Grunting women turn turn him on. <laughs> Twenty love. In other uh, sports news, gay Olympian Adam Ripon or Ripone uh, has uh, has has attacked Mike Pence, the vice president. Uh, as uh, Pence deserves to be attacked. Ripon is the 2016 U.S. men's figure skating champion. Uh, he's heading to the Olympics, and he will be the—he's believed to be the first openly gay U.S. Winter Olympian. Obviously, a lot of skaters have come out since right, right. being in the Olympics, particularly if they're skaters. Uh-huh. But Ripon is like way out, wow, and super hot and super cool. And he found out that Pence was going to be part of the Olympic delegation in South Korea. Yeah. So he told USA Today uh, last Tuesday, "Quote: You mean Mike Pence?" The same Mike Pence that funded gay conversion therapy? I'm not buying it. Yes, Queen! Uh, Ripon said of Pence, I don't think he has a real concept of reality to stand by some of the things that Donald Trump has said. And for Mike Pence to say he's a devout Christian man is completely contradictory. If he's okay with what's being said about people and Americans and foreigners and about different countries that are being called shitholes, I think he should really go to church. Shade. That's right, Derek. That's beautiful. Ripon uh, is really like my new hero. Meanwhile, Pence has uh, has pounced back. <laughs> See what I did there with I Pence did. and Pounce? That's a good alliteration. Thank you. Uh, his uh, his people have released a statement that says, Ripon's accusation is totally false and has no basis in fact. Despite these misinformed claims, the vice president will be enthusiastically supporting all the U.S. athletes competing next month in Pyeongchang. 
Oh, he won't. He'll do his thing like he did at the Colts game where he'll show up and then walk out and protest when he hits the ice, probably. Yeah, especially when he, you know, dances to my neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack. That, that's going to be his routine number. Uh, but uh, but according to this article on Queer T, Pence's stance on the LGBTQ community is well known. Uh, Trump himself smirkingly said that Pence wants to hang all gay people. Yeah. And in the 90s, Pence penned an article advising employers to never hire gay people. He's there's a million things he's done that are very anti-gay. Yeah, and this is this is not a question anymore. And and you you know, I would in some ways admire him more if he would stop pretending like this is not the case because now he's vice president. Like these were just those were views I had when I was a he's governor. He's still doing it. He, they're yeah, still absolutely. pushing for those fucking absolutely. religious liberty exemptions absolutely. and you don't have to treat gay people and you don't have to treat trans people. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. But Adam Ripon, uh if you're listening or if anyone knows Adam, I want you in my ass oh, and on this show wow. so badly wow. i really love this kid he's he's really but you said you didn't like sports all I, of a sudden, I, I, really, suddenly i, really I, I really i'm like a sports. sports fan no i mean i've always liked uh, men's figure skating of course yeah of course it's the gayest thing that happens <laughs> at the olympics <laughs> and he's got an incredible ass and uh an even better mind wow and i like him and scott i, he I like that you had your priorities in thank order you there. well yeah. one has to yeah. now he will not be the only openly gay skater because canada has its own gay skater, Eric Radford. Uh, he's 35. It will be his second consecutive Olympics and his first as an openly gay man. And um, I would like to see him and Adam Rippon do a routine together. Go head to head. Th exactly. And uh, and basically fuck on the ice. I think that would get wow. good ratings I for the Olympics. I think so. Wow. And I would like to see it. In other news, Scott, <laughs> yes. do you know a Vista print? I don't. Have you ever heard what, of that? What is that? It's like a printing, an online printing service. You can get business cards or flyers or posters. Oh. I've actually used them. Uh, when you're at my level of show business, Scott, yes. you have to do all your own promotion. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah, you wouldn't know. <laughs> but I've I've had posters <laughs> made and flyers. and Anyway, um, this gay couple used Vistaprint to create their wedding programs. You know, when you get married and there's a program that says, like, yeah. first there will be a processional and then a lesbian will read a poem. And, you know. <laughs> So forth. Well, <laughs> what arrived at the wedding was not uh, were not programs, but actually pamphlets about uh, Satan. What? That said, uh, it warned people that Satan will entice your flesh with evil desires. They basically got a bunch of like crazy, uh, ultra religious Christian shit sent in place of their programs. So that's just a shipping mix-up. Well, obviously. that's what I say. Now, the couple is suing Vistaprint, claiming breach of contract and emotional pain. One of them says, quote, this was by far the most direct, personal, and aggressive act of homophobia either of us has experienced to date. They received the pamphlets on the evening of their ceremony, which included a party for 100 guests. The programs were supposed to include the, the lyrics to Treasure, which is a song by a group called Above and Beyond. Hmm. Um, but they, But instead, they got these pamphlets that said... Satan knows our flesh is weak. Wow. He preys upon our weaknesses to tempt us to sin. Satan can only influence us to want to sin. He cannot make us sin. Huh. Was this a Halloween-themed wedding by any chance? It was I'm, not. I'm just trying it to was, see where the screw-up happened was, because it seems I, pretty— I think, like you said, it was yeah. an innocent but tragic mistake yes. on the part of Vista what, Print. What has Vista Print said? Uh, and is it Vista or Vista? You know, I always said Vista, but who knows? Because of Visa? Because you use a Visa to pay for it? Uh, no, no, I think it's, uh, well, what do you call it? Like when there's a Vista you along see a the vista. highway, uh, you no, say it's a vista? vista, 
I speak Spanish, so oh, I say Vista. Vista. We'll ask Bianca Del Rio. All right. Uh, anyway, Vista Print says, we would never discriminate against customers for their sexual orientation, blah, 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 blah. We have just been made aware of this incident in the last few hours. We understand how upsetting, blah, blah, blah. We've immediately launched an internal investigation. Until Do they we... have any, has there ever been any history? I mean, this is, like, it seems well, crazy will... to go from nothing to, like, we're going to send out Satan pamphlets for a gay wedding. Speaking for myself, I have had them print out a lot of gay shit. Yeah. And uh, they've never sent me any yeah. Satan pamphlets. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Satan pamphlets. I mean, so, I might send you some for that. Well, yes, and you have, and, yeah, and yeah. I don't appreciate well, it, we'll Scott. Talk, Please yeah. stop sending those. Sorry. Um, and finally, the last story we're going to talk about before we have our, our... Oh, do we have a caller who's not our guest? All right. Uh, caller, you say what? Who this? It's Charles from Cornhole, Of course Arizona. it is. Charles, how are you? Fine, thank you. I was actually thinking we may get other callers today, but no, it's it's just Charles from Cornhole on the phone. Charles, uh, thank you for listening. Are you a fan of Scott Lowell's and Bianca Del Rio's? I am, absolutely, and I am listening devoutly even as we speak, and I'll let you get back to your program. I love you. Thanks, honey. Thank All right, you. bye-bye. Is he, is he, where is he from? He's from Cornville, Arizona, but we call him Charles from Cornhole. Is there uh, another call? Yeah. All right, one more call before our guest. Caller, you're on the line. I had to be the other caller. I couldn't let you just have cornhole. Who this? Um, this is Michael in Nashville. Hi, um, Michael. I wanted to talk about the Vista print really quick. That is utter bullshit. There's no way. There's no way. And you you know from ordering, you're not going to have things delivered the day of. They're very sketchy about like when they're going to deliver things. It's like a range. So, so what do you think is bullshit? That, that, they, that they did it on purpose or that it was a mistake? I, I think the people that got them are lying. That it happened? You, you, don't, like think it, you don't think it happened at all? The, yeah. You At they, all. Well, clearly, in order to have a lawsuit, they have to produce these pamphlets and show them. But I think, you know, when when you print stuff at at that level, they're going to be able to see that it's not been printed by Vistaprint. Do we or know that? Do we know they're actually or... gay? Just even to start with. <laughs> yeah, they're actually straight gonna, guys pretending. I, yeah, I think they ordered up a bunch of Satan pamphlets and then said, <laughs> "Wouldn't this be fun?" Michael, thank you for calling. I got to let you go because we have to get to our guest. She has millions of fans listening. I hope uh, our guest today needs no introduction since winning season six of RuPaul's Drag Race, she has become the most famous drag superstar in the world. Her new book, Blame It on Bianca Del Rio, comes out this May, and fans can see her movie sequel, Hurricane Bianca 2, From Russia with Hate, when it hits theaters later this year. Here's, uh, before we talk to her live, here's the queen herself giving some love and warmth to her fans during one of her live stage shows. Fuck you, fucker. You said I was a fucking bitch. Fuck you! I'm gonna tell you this. Listen, listen. Oh, she's using her phone. Go ahead, go ahead, because that's powerful. Wait, so you're calling me a bitch, why? Because you're mad at the world and you can't grow hair and buy shampoo? Is that what it is you're asking? <laughs> if you can't grow hair, I'd hate to see your dick. Really, queen? <laughs> oh, fucking asshole. <laughs> you should stand in front like a lesbian, very quiet. Look at her, very respectable. <laughs> and you know why a lesbian's quiet? Cat's got her tongue. Yes, you know it. <laughs> Are you a lesbian? No? Fire your stylist. Listen. <laughs> and joining us from Los Angeles is the one and only Bianca Del Rio. Come on. 
Oh, God, it's dreadful to hear your own voice. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Bianca. Thank you. That's, that's our studio audience clapping for you. What a thrill it is having you on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm glad this always works out. It's it, always a treat. You are way too kind to me. I want to remind people that Bianca did our very first show, our pilot show back in April, and uh, and you are the busiest fucking queen on earth. I know you have very little time for this shit show. Uh, but you no, are- come, come, let me tell you this much. Shit shows are my favorite thing to do. I just, I mean, you know, people always say your schedule must be crazy. It's, I mean, look, I, you know, what did you do Drag Race for? To work. So you get to work. I can't have nothing to complain about. If I complain, I'm a fucking douche. Uh, you know, it's like, what's the deal? I mean, I've known you for years. Why the hell can't I have a conversation with you? But it's so much easier than texting you on Grinder. I mean, this is a lot simpler. <laughs> I know. I, what I, you're I, really I, about. I, I, t- I send messages to you on Grinder, and I never hear back. You're not yeah, interested well. in my little dick. <laughs> Maybe you need to change that photo. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> exactly. Statistics are a bit off. Bianca, you're also on the line with Scott Lowell from Queer as Folk. Hello, hey, Scott, Bianca. How are you? Oh, it's an honor. Honor to talk to you. Do you watch oh, Drag you Race, Scott? Comic. I have you're seen the I, one with credibility. Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, I would. I wouldn't say that. No, you are a brilliant entertainer, from what I've seen of your oh. work. Well, I'm an acquired taste, but I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm not for the lighthearted. I must tell you. No. That, in this political climate, which I've been dealing with quite often, it just fascinates me that people, you know, have so much to say, and and they all have an opinion of what you're doing. And I just go, just because. I mean, I have opinions on everything. I mean, you know, I look at a building or I'm walking down the street. I don't like Bush. I don't like this. I don't go fucking run the Internet and talk about it. If I'm asked about it, then I'll discuss it. But really, I don't truly give a fuck. But there's something about the type of people in the world now, mainly, I hate to use the word millennials, um, that just feel the need to express themselves and you're supposed to obey to what they say. And I'm like, bitch, I'm a 42-year-old man in a wig. Suck my dick. I don't care what you fucking think of me. You know? And so my living to get through it is to know in my heart that they're going to die, and that makes me feel a lot better. But, so prob- but probably after we do, that's the thing. We're, of they're they're going to outlive us. Girl, uh, please. It's just it's fascinating to me, these people, you know, I, that's the world that we live in. So everything is too much, you know. It, it, it's too racy. You can't say that. You can't do this. It's like a fuck off. You can do whatever <laughs> I want. You don't like it? Change the channel. Well, that's what people love about you. I feel like you are our, our id speaking uh, the the thoughts that that we want to say but we can't, Bianca. You perform all well, over. Yeah. You perform all <laughs> over the world. Uh, how many countries have you been in so far? You know what's funny? Uh, it, it's quite insane. But I, I couldn't even keep track. I know my, my my. It sounds so grand to say my assistant, but my friend that I pay that works for me. He knows better than I do. But I think this year, uh, uh, at the end of the year, would be six continents that I would have been on. Wow. So it's quite wild that. You, you know, you're slipping kind of everywhere. You know I me, mean? I say yes to every gig. I mean, I'm on the phone with you. But it, <laughs> it's quite fascinating. This year, this year in particular is my third tour, and I've been fortunate enough to work with, um, you know, in America, I work with AEG, which is a brilliant company, and with each year it gets bigger and bigger. So this year in America, we're doing 40, 42 cities, and they're adding additional dates, and then there's another 13 in the U.K., and then I'll be doing uh, also other South Africa. Uh, I did Singapore. I did Hong Kong. I did Amsterdam. It, it's it's batshit crazy how many people are interested in drag in particular, you know, as, as well as drag race. I mean, these are some of these places don't even get the show. So uh, it's worked out favorable for me that over the years, because it's been like four and a half years for me, that they're actually now catching up with my season because they're like on season, what, 10, 9, I don't know, something like that. And so I'm season six. So it, Right, they're watching it on like time, a stone television set. Completely, which <laughs> kind of matches my face. But yeah, very similar, very similar. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm just fascinated that that many people are interested, especially globally. You know, you don't expect that when you when you do a reality show. 
in America, right. you know, on a closed set. You're like, okay, a couple fags in San Francisco will watch me. Maybe my dykes back in New Orleans will watch. But I didn't <laughs> think it would be this global at all. So with all the countries you've been to, which country has the best dick? You know what's funny is that you you don't get to spend much time. Now, I have to tell you, uh, Amsterdam, before I went to Amsterdam, someone said you're going to love Amsterdam and that people are really, really nice and that all the guys have huge dicks. Huge. And I thought, well, that's kind of ironic because in America, <laughs> if you have a huge dick, you don't have to be nice. Exactly. So was, <laughs> that's why I'm so that, nice. Uh, <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> Fucking pleasant. Um, no, uh, Amsterdam, I have to say, I mean, they're, I mean, they're just free there. I mean, they can smoke weed on the street. Those people don't give a fuck. So it makes life a lot easier. You know, I'm sure it's like that in Colorado now, but it's it, it's just one of those things where I think when you don't have any angst or any issues and you're just walking around with a joint, you know, life, nothing shocks you. You know, they're a little freer than most. So I would say Amsterdam is definitely the place where, where the action happens. And you, you know, I've heard and this. let's face from... it, I mean, let's face it, with my face, it looks better than a red, than a red light, you know, let's be honest. Oh, Much please. Darker. Yeah. You're gorgeous. Now, I, I always hear from drag queens that they get hit on when they're in drag and they don't they don't want to be. Right, like oh, you want to. You want to fuck when you're a dude. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing sexual about me being in drag. Uh, have you seen me? Uh, I'm, I mean, occasionally you have somebody with a clown fetish, but it's definitely <laughs> not something that I find sexual in the least. Uh, it's not amusing. Not to say, you know, that I haven't like passed out in makeup before and stranger things have happened, but it's definitely not a preference for me. God, no. I mean, that that's horrible. At this point, you have met pretty much every big celebrity. Uh, you're oh, really? In, you have. I see, please, I've seen you with Cher. If you've met Cher, you've met everyone. Which one? Which which celebrity has been the biggest twat? Well, you know, from years ago, uh, I had worked with at a, at a Broadway costume company. So over the years, that was like pre, you know, in New York, it's so normal to run and choose celebrities, so to speak. But when you work for a Broadway costume company, you meet several uh, people. And people that would come in and out. And I mean, as celebrities nowadays, I mean, everybody's a fucking celebrity. So there's not really that, that many people that <laughs> not are excited. Me. Some are much nicer than most. But back in the day in the costume shop, I think the kindest I ever met was Angela Lansbury. Oh. Uh, and uh, let's see, who was a cunt? Um, uh, Elaine Stritch was a hoot, which who I loved. But um, I think the douchiest, which, which I had not experienced, but I had found out was there the week before me, was Raquel Welch. Oh, which really? Is kind of you probably have to Google her. But <laughs> the people with the least amount of talent are the biggest cunts. But that that's probably about it. Everybody else is pretty good. And once again, it's also been shocking through social media how many celebrities are, are huge Drag Race fans. You know, I mean, Wanda Sykes is a big fan of the show, and so is Neil Patrick Harris. And, and um, uh, I mean, there's tons of those people that you find through Twitter that are just praising the show and love everything about Audra McDonald, for Christ's sake. I mean, one Amazing. of the kindest, nicest, most gorgeous people on the planet. And she fucking knows who I am. That's fucking crazy shit. So, um, it, but, but you're at you're at you're at the same level of fame as them, if not beyond it. You have 1.2 million Instagram followers. That's fucking insane. But what, you, but, what, but what does that mean in real life? You know what I mean? I probably it, I it means you sell out people, giant but, venues everywhere you go. Well, they, well I mean, it, it's it's extremely I'm extremely fortunate. But I think that at the minute that you get lost in the idea that that is your reality, then you're nuts. I mean, I'm fascinated that many people are interested in what I'm doing. And, you know, after 21 years in drag, it's an amazing opportunity. But I think that if you get lost in that, and I think there are a couple of the queens that are friends of mine that, that strive on that. You know, they, they live off of that. Like, how many people follow us? Who's doing this? My thing is just to work. You just got to keep going. And whether I have 100 people on Instagram is great, but I need to have at least 2,500 people in that theater. If not, nobody gets paid. So for You're me, getting that's them, more, of the, more of the challenge. You what know? Do you, what and, do you... and it, it's still... 
This is Scott. I was going to ask you, what do you think has kind of led to this? Because, I mean, there certainly were decades and decades of where the idea of, you know, selling out an arena or something like that for a drag show seemed absurd. Like, what has what has led to it all? Like, why? Why now is this such a huge thing, which it is? Well, I think that, first of all, drag in particular, a uh, drag race, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I have to give it props. Here is a television show that, mm-hmm. you know, 80% of the show, you're out of drag. So I think it became a little more relatable for people. In the past, even the gay community hated gays. I mean, hated drag. I mean, if you were a drag queen, nobody wanted to date you, nobody wanted to bother you. I mean, you were basically that freak. Or you were trans, which is a whole other setup. Right, not right. What it's about. And I think... The reality show kind of humanizes us as people. I mean, for me in particular, I mean, what I do on stage is what I do on stage. I still think the same way off stage, but it also showed a different side of me. Even people that knew that I was going on the show were like, well, she's not going to laugh today because she's a cunt. But nobody asked (laughs) about me as a person prior to the show. So I think it humanizes us on a level. And, you know, here is something when I'm traveling anywhere. I was, um, I think it was Arizona that I was doing a show, and there's a young boy who's 13 years old in a pair of heels with his grandmother mm-hmm. coming to see my show. And I'm going, this is fabulous. That's wonderful. He's like, no, me and my grandma watch the show, and we love it. And I'm looking at the grandma going, I said, you do understand that I'm a little racy. She goes, what the fuck you think I came for? <laughs> and I thought that was amusing because someone at her age couldn't come. But I thought it was interesting that, in general, that these are the people that are watching the show. So, you know, TV is a powerful thing, mm-hmm. and I think it's just kind of opened up people's minds to see that we're not freaks, so to speak. Um, there are some. Um, I, I also, also think – go ahead. No, I'm just saying that there's a, there's a likability to it. So, you, yeah. know, you kind of forget that that's some of you. what we do. It's not our identity. Yeah, some of them, of course. <laughs> there's a hateability to some of you. Uh, I, I think what it did <laughs> – I think Drag Race did for drag what Project Runway did for design in mm-hmm. the sense that it showed people yeah. how much work and mm-hmm. how much talent goes into it. Mm-hmm. You know, before yeah. that, people thought, oh, you just strap on a wig and a dress and you go out and you lip sync and you, and you get your tips. Yeah. And, and when did you, you say strap on a wig? I, I don't did. I've ever strapped on a wig. <laughs> yeah, that's kinky. For um, some reason, the word know, strap on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. You said come and strap on in the same sentence. I did. Oh, exciting. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, but I do think, I, I think it also shows, I mean, you know, the show in particular is, is, a, is a pretty quick process. And, you know, you're not, we don't have the luxury of doing it week to week. It's a day to day. You know, I mean, in the end, it's a television show. And so they're trying to make magic happen on a shoestring budget in a very short period of time. So it's not for everyone. And, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, you go through the middle of this and you have this opportunity and then you get to travel and, and, and experience it. But I think that for me, what would help me was that it was also the, before the show, I think it was what, 17 or 18 years of doing drag that I knew that I'd had my fun in clubs and I knew I wanted to do more. And so it was just the option of taking that risk and saying, hey, let's go do this. And luckily there was people that believed in me that made it possible. So you just got to run with it for what it is. I mean, I'm not going to do drag for the rest of my life. I do know that. Uh, but to um, you know, to, to have the ticket now is, is kind of amazing and great. But I think I work harder now than I ever have because you know everybody's watching and, and you got to keep moving. And you know, to sit back. I mean, it's not like I'm getting Meryl Streep movies or anything, but it's like not you yet. can't sit back yeah. and expect someone to knock on your door. Well, spe- you got to go out and hustle. Speaking of movies, we're all very excited yeah. about Hurricane Bianca 2, and I understand the screenwriter is some ne'er-do-well off the street named Derek Hartley. 
Oh, her, yes. You know, I, Derek, it's so funny. Uh, Derek is very good friends with my friend Matt Kugelman, and I say friends with Matt and not with me because Derek is so shady. He would always come to my <laughs> show at the Ritz when there was four people on a Monday night in the audience, and he would show up right before showtime, and then in that nasty, hateful voice of his, say, oh, I've got to catch a train to get to my country home. I can't stay. So he never stayed for my show. But we never clicked. On that level, I was like, this little shady fuck. And then, uh, you know, that became our relationship with this snarky back and forth madness. And then when Matt told me he was interested in working with him on the film, I thought, oh, well, this would be great. And he did some brilliant stuff. It was actually quite collaborative and fun. And uh, uh, we, we had a blast because now that the characters are established with the first film, the second one kind of goes haywire. Well, so, uh, Derek it, sent it me the screenplay before anyone even knew he was doing it. He sent me a, a, a copy to read and I thought it was hilarious. So I'm... Very well, psyched to I see it. I can't say I said everything there. <laughs> I paraphrased <laughs> a lot of it. Because I have, I have trouble learning lines. I can do lines and snort them like a bitch, but I can't remember them for anything. Well, it's but, good to uh, improvise. It was, quite, it was quite fun. It was, it was always scary when he was on set because I thought, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> you know, when you have somebody there, this is their work, and you're going, oh, am I saying it right? Am I doing it right? But we had a, we, we had a blast. And he did a great job. I'm quite excited for everybody to see it. When do we get to see it? When do you think it'll, it'll hit theaters? Uh, well, actually, I just spoke with the, you know, these film people. They're also weird um, and very specific. So they're announcing everything in February of what the plan is and where it's going and what it's doing and festivals and all that kind of madness and how it's released. So that all comes out, I think, the second week in February. They'll be announcing all that madness. So I'll have all that on my Instagram and, and Twitter and all. Now... Very, top secret about all of it. Yes. Now, Katia plays a role in this movie, correct? Yes. And yes, she does. She, she plays my, my, my love interest. So this past Monday, she released this statement on Instagram where she was speaking yep. French for some reason, and she basically <laughs> said she's she's quitting drag for now. Do you know what the fuck is going on with Katia? Can you enlighten us? Oh, well, once again, I think, well, first of all, Katia is, is one of my favorite people because she's wild and insane, and you never know what to expect from her. I mean, there's moments when I look at her and go, are you real? Um, so she's kind of all over the place and one of these high energy people. And I think that, um, after getting to know her, because the first time I really got to work with her was on the, on the film, which we filmed in October. Previous to that, you know, we had seen each other at different events. Everybody assumes that we're like, you know, hanging out and playing canasta every weekend, but a lot of us don't know each other because there's like over 130 of them now. Yeah, there's but, a lot uh, of you. And I, yeah, there's quite, quite a few, and some, you know, I wouldn't piss on if they were on fire. But with Katya, <laughs> Matt Kugelman really wanted her for the film, and I thought, oh, well, this is great. This is my chance to get to work with her. So I worked with her on the set. It was the first time that we'd been around one another. And out of the, I think, four or five weeks that I was filming, she was doing two of those weeks. So she kind of came in the middle of it. And, I mean, complete hurricane herself. I mean, she is wild and insane, and she did a great job in the film. But I do know that her schedule, like a lot of us, was really, really tight. And she's been very open about, you know, uh, drug issues that she's had in the past. And I think that, <laughs> you know, the schedule and, you know, the notoriety and the pressure kind of took its toll. And she decided for her health and for her, for her best interest is to take a break. She had a large tour coming up in the U.K. that would be quite demanding. And I think that it was just a moment of her either doing it and losing her mind or taking a minute to step back and take care of herself. So I applaud her for, you know, for taking care of herself. I mean, I don't know... The, you know, if, if I would have been the one to do it, I probably would have gone crazy uh, and continued. But uh, I'm but, glad to hear that she's actually taking some time for herself. So that's that's basically where she is. But I why mean, make the uh, statement in French? Now that I don't know. Because, you know <laughs> she, she is crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> and is, by the way, it was bad French. It was really bad French. Oh. Someone translated it word for word and it didn't make any sense. 
<laughs> well, that I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, she's she, like, I'm serious. It's one of those things where I, I look at her in amazement and I go, she makes me look normal. Yeah. So I never know what's going to come out of her mouth. So the fact that she did it in French to me. You know, you mentioned, not Russian, you mentioned the strain and the pressure that you guys are under and just how much fucking work it is to get out and do this every night. The New York Times this past week had a wonderful story uh, with the headline, Is This the Golden Age of Drag? in which you are, are quoted heavily. Uh, along with a number of other queens. I say this all the time. I couldn't do what you do for a week. I would It would burn well, me think, out. What do you mm-hmm. do? You're, you're up there every fucking night in all these different countries and all these different states. What do you do to keep from burnout? Well, I think, well, well, in fairness, I mean, some people are built for this and some people aren't. And I think, that, for instance, as we were talking about the Katya situation, I think that, you know, I think I've got a good 15 years on her or, or 10 years on her. And, and several um, inches. It, it, <laughs> well, that you've read my profile. But the thing is, you, it's either made for some people or it's not. And I think that, you know, especially now, you know, with drag racing, it's ninth or tenth season, is that everyone assumes, you know, that there's people, there's drag queens that grew up watching the show and want to be a drag queen and they think it's easy. And truly, the hustle is much harder. It is, as you said, a lot more than just strapping on a wig and going. But the business side of it is quite demanding. But I also realize, is this better than where I was five years ago? Is this better where I was ten years ago? And the answer is yes. But I also know I can't sit back and eat bonbons. Uh, I'm a, I'm a go getter. I mean, you know, even being here in Los Angeles for you know a week and a half, um, it's just catching up on life before I go back on the road starting next week, and I'm not home until May for a minute, and then I go back out again. So it's that type of thing where you either build for it or you're not. For me, I'm best when I'm working. I'm best when I'm doing night after night. And in America, I'm very lucky with this particular tour because I won't be flying. I'll be on my own little Dolly Parton tour bus, which makes life a lot easier because the, the airport sucks the fucking life out of you because, you know, getting up two hours before, depending on the city and then the traffic and that kind of madness where this, I'm kind of in my own little bubble and I can hit more cities that are, you know, in the route much quicker and faster, which is what. I prefer. And I mean, I go, come on. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a heart surgeon. So why, why would I complain? <laughs> I mean, but at the end you know, of it, 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 it's either made for some people or it's not. And, and not to say that, that they can't do it. Just some people have some rough patches for me. It's like, let's roll. Let's, I mean, it can't be any worse than me working in New York at splash with six people and lady bunny DJing. I mean, you know what I mean? That's rock bottom. Yeah, except the difference you know, is bunny is a bottom. Who hits the rock. <laughs> But the difference is when you're when you're in that situation, it's not all on you. You know, you come out, you do your bit, you're on stage for what, 15, 20 minutes and you're done. Yeah. Now you're the whole fucking show. You're the reason they're there. And I I know, you know, from having one one thousandth of your career that there are times when I have to do a comedy show and I'm like, oh, I just can't do this tonight. I don't I'm not feeling it. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it starts when you have to shave. You know, you're shaving, you're putting on makeup, and you're just kind of maybe feeling slightly off. But then you're even tired, you know, even if you have that moment of like, fuck, I slept like shit or, you know, or whatever. But then, so honestly, what's been so amazing is that once you get out there, you have no choice but to swim, you know? So by the time I'm done, it's like, oh, that was much better than I expected. I mean, you have your good nights and your bad nights. I would never say that every show is perfect, but I'm my own worst critic with everything. But I think, um, and if I'm not, someone on social media will tell me. But um, yeah, I you've got some cunty really fans, is. by the way. After oh, you, no, please, 
after you posted that promo saying you you were going to be on the show, like four or five people are like, who's your fucking graphic designer? This is the worst promo I've ever seen. And it's like, bitch, I'm my own graphic designer. You think I have a team here? I'm like, well, this is the other. Thing. You can't take it personal. <laughs> oh, I don't this take anything personal. You know that. Well, I always say it's like some, you know, 13-year-old fag in Guatemala with, with <laughs> Wi-Fi for like 10 seconds that's writing this from their hut. Fuck them. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things where you're just like, and especially with me in particular, I think because of my personality, people just like to say something for me to say something back. Right. That's they their way of saying I love you. And, and you know, yeah, and it's just like, girl, you know, every now and then after a couple of glasses of wine, I will attack. But normally, I'm just like, who the fuck cares? You know, it just like, it, it's fascinating to me that they, that everybody has something to say. But in 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 the end, you know, it's like, come on, what's what's worse than having everybody go? I love you. I wouldn't trust that either. <laughs> so, you know, a shady comment. If it's good, I love it, and I'll like it for sure. I'll even re- reprint it if it's really funny. Um, but. You know, none of that kind of affects me on that level. So just going back to, to the the exhaustion. So you, you go on stage, you give a, a thousand percent, you do these crazy shows. What do you do to come down afterwards? Um, well, it's just not the easiest process. You've got to get out of drag, <laughs> which takes, you know, it takes a hot minute. Get out of all the monkey suit. And then, you know, for me, the best thing to do is I like to read, uh, especially like when I'm, when I'm out traveling. I'm, I don't like a Kindle. I like an actual book. Me too. Uh, I'm a book person. So I, 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 I like to do that. I like to just read. And then, you know, if I pop a pill and pass out, that helps too. But I think it's just that minute of getting in your own head. I also write notes every night of things that I either want to add to it or things I want to change. Because depending on where you are, some things do work. For instance, jokes that you would do in Amsterdam to start the show may not necessarily work in brazil so uh i'm always looking at the schedule to see what's to come uh and when i'm in my own head and i have nothing to distract me because when you're home you're easily distracted by by everyday life uh when i'm on the road you don't have much time when you're on the plane i purposely don't get wi-fi so i have those few hours to just either so write smart. or just you know overanalyze and or, or even make a grocery list uh those types of things so yeah, that that kind of suits me. I'm a list maker and, and a reader because it just keeps me keeps me active. I have to. I can't watch the news, especially now. No, do not. So is, That's is, the uh, most stressful. Bianca, it is. It t- is reading and writing. It is time now to play everyone's favorite radio game. It's called Ask Me No Questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my homemade jingle, which your fans can talk about. How oh, you're gonna get people that are gonna hate it. Shitty it is. All right, so normally I write these questions myself, but I thought it would be funny since you're Bianca Del Rio if I did these James oh. Lipton style. So these are oh, the... is he still alive? Yes, apparently. So these are the questions that James okay. Lipton asks based on his mentor Bernard Pivot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so creepy. He's, so, he's such that pedophile uncle. <laughs> Bianca. He really is. No, he's your... not even the cute uncle that wants to fuck you. He's that <laughs> okay. All right, ready? What is sure. your What is your favorite word? My favorite word uh, is fuck. What is your least favorite word? Um. Oh, my least. Oh shit. My least favorite word is uh, moist. <laughs> <laughs> what What turns you on? Money. <laughs> what turns you off? People with no money. <laughs> um, what is? Uh, what well, no, I mean, uh, what turns me off? I think arrogance. Arrogance turns me off. You know, arrogance for no entitlement. Yeah, the entitlement's probably better. What is your favorite curse word? 
and fuck. <laughs> oh, wait, did I already ask you that? Oh, same as your favorite word. No, I just said my favorite word is fuck, so fuck is my favorite curse word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What sound? But you see, but that's a weird, <laughs> it, fuck is a weird thing for me because it's just a side note. I grew up, <laughs> my mother's from Cuba and my dad's from Honduras, so she didn't know English. So to her, she would say fuck all the time, and to her, fuck could have meant table. So I grew up with that word, so I didn't even <laughs> consider it that offensive. You know, Bianca, fuck, 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 fuck. The dinner's yeah, on the fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, oh, mom, I broke the fuck. <laughs> My mother was the same, and she was born in this country. Okay, what uh, what sound or noise do you love? Laughter. What sound or noise do you hate? People bitching, fags, slurring, <laughs> lisps. People with lisps. What? I know per- it's kind of redundant, fag and lisp. Exactly, yeah. they go together. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Uh, I'd be a pimp. I think being a pimp would be fun. Because, I mean, I've already been a hooker in my life. You know, I'd like to be like RuPaul. I'd like to be a pimp. You know, she dress is up a pimp. Every right? now and then. And then hoe him out. Make my coin. Exactly. You could become a drag queen agent. That would, no. no oof, I don't know if I want to do that. But yeah, I mean, more pimping on the corner, you know, so I could do it when I feel like it. Yeah. What profession would you yeah. not like to do? I'd hate to be a toll taker, like a toll booth taker. That's got to be the fucking worst. Like touching people, taking money, and going, thank you, have a nice day. That's got to be the worst. Not to mention fighting the elements. I think of it every time when I fly into New York and I'm coming from LaGuardia. I'm like, what a fucked up job this is. I don't think I could do it. They Also, they have to sit on the highway inhaling exhaust fumes all day. It can't be good for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, I've been around head of lettuce. It's the same effect. Trust so she, yeah, she gives off those fumes. If heaven exists... What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> He's gonna say, "Girl, by the skin of your teeth." <laughs> I, I, I doubt. I doubt he'd be the one. I'll be saying. I always said that I'm gonna be the one in hell with a red dress, telling all my friends, "Come this way, girl. I got your wristband. It's not that hot. Come with me." You know, it's gonna, uh, no, I'm not going to heaven. It's impossible. You're definitely gonna go to heaven. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. Here's a question. This is no more, no longer James Lipton. This is the question I ask all my guests. Will Donald Trump still be okay. president a year from now? Do I think he will be? Um, you know, sadly, I think he probably will be. Not that I want him to. I think I I, I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, with each day, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And, and 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 I don't know what it actually is going to be the trigger effect. I mean, I didn't think he'd last this long. But it's just a fucked up world that we live in. But what is quite fascinating, I mean, you know, yesterday with all of this women's march, I thought was so insane is that he put that tweet out saying that, you know, it's a, it's wonderful that all the women should be out celebrating and marching for best unemployment. I mean, best, you know, unemployment's been down for women 18%. I'm going, now he's even making that about him. It's millions of people marching because they fucking hate you. They hate That's what blows my mind. The arrogance and the entitlement is absolutely insane. But the only thing I can hope is that, you know, uh, he could still be president, but I just hope that, like, liver failure happens. You know, not a heart attack, because you can come back from a heart attack or a stroke. But, like, just fucking liver, kidney failure, just fucking just drop. Complete organ shutdown. Bianca, I yeah, cannot, I cannot thank you enough for coming on my show again. You, you are seriously the most generous performer that I know, as well as the most famous one. So that's a oh, weird well, combination. Want, well, you need to get out more. But thanks <laughs> so much. And it's been great chatting with you. And you have, uh, like, literally hundreds of shows coming up. The easiest thing is for people yeah. to go to your website, correct? Yeah, website. TheBiancaDelRio.com has my tour dates. Uh, the movie's coming out in June. And then in May, I have a, uh, an advice book that's coming out as well, because Truly, when, when you need advice, you would come to a drag queen. Yeah. Yes, it's called Blame <laughs> It on Bianca Del Rio, and it will be available wherever drag queen books are sold. 
completely. The suicide rate's going to go up for sure. (laughs) Bianca, I love you. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank Scott Lowell for co-hosting. Scott, will you do it again with us next week? Of course. It's been so much fun. Fabulous. I'm glad I haven't frightened you off. We will also be talking next week to comedian and actor Frank Liotti. Make sure you all subscribe to Derek and Romaine. They have a daily show Monday through Friday at DerekandRomaine.com. Don't forget to follow me. Oh, there's the music. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank and download my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. Uh, Scott, that hour went quickly, didn't it? It did. It did. I'm just waking up now. I wish we I wish we had time for another hour. <laughs> well, we'll get to do it again next week. Awesome. Thank you, Scott Lowell. Thank you, Bianca Del Rio. Have a great week, bitches. I love you all. <laughs>